This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. This is Episode 9 with Eric Holtgren. Everything is marketing. On purpose. This is On Purpose with Justin Barclay. Extraordinary stories of ordinary heroes on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to On Purpose. My name's Justin Barclay, reformed radio shock jock turned inspiration junkie. Each week we bring you extraordinary stories of ordinary heroes living their daily lives, turning pain into purpose, finding opportunity in the obstacles, and transforming tragedy into triumph. What separates them from the others? How do they stand out above the crowd? We dissect their process and uncover their powerful secrets, the keys to living life on purpose. All right, so you're in for a treat today because not only are we going to talk to somebody who (laughs) I think is one of the uh, most brilliant marketers I have uh, talked to in a long time, but he's also a really good friend. Director of Marketing at MLive, CEO of Now Playing, host of Everything is Marketing, great podcast, The Incredible Holt and The Way of the Warrior podcast, and he's a mass media professor as well, and and plus, I'd say a really good all-around guy, father of two, great husband, good friend, Eric Holtgren. He's got a really similar story to mine, and I think that he's a guy who, over time, I mean, we didn't even mention in that intro that he did 20 years in a completely different industry, radio, like me, right? Um, But just a few years ago, went through a very interesting and similar change. He decided to start over from scratch and forge his own new future. I'm going to talk about that. What was that like? How scary can that be? So I think a lot of people are contemplating that and confronting that reality as we speak. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Eric. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. So let's get started. Obviously, we have to give full disclosure here. I have known Eric and uh, have had the pleasure of uh, not only uh, working for him, uh, but calling him a friend. And so we've got a really interesting background, but you're a guy that is doing some really cool things these days. Not only do you have a radio background like me, uh, but you've also kind of found a, a new and different path. It's pretty exciting. Wanted to kind of talk to you about that. And, uh, maybe that's a good place for us to start. How, for, what, what do we do that? How did you, uh, how did you make the, the, the transition? And, and let's talk a little bit about your kind of like your start in radio. Where did that, where did that kind of come from? Uh, I, I think both the, the introduction to radio and the exit from radio. I mean, I, I'm glad to uh, have joined the uh, rehab clinic that you are running for X radio employees. Um, but I, I think both of them were uh, to say that they were turbulent, I think would be a bit of an understatement. I, um, I got into radio because I went to school to be a graphic artist to draw like, uh, commercial art and then eventually get into comic books and then quickly figured out there was no money there and was looking for a career that had even less money. So I fell into radio. Um, and so I, I did college radio and then coming out of college radio, I thought, okay, I had done college radio. I'd done two internships in Chicago. I thought this would be easy and it wasn't. I ended up doing um, some kind of menial tasks at the radio station, which included running commercials in between a baseball game was kind of how I got my start. And then from there, um, kind of worked and worked and worked until I uh, was programming a radio station. And I did that for nearly 11 years. And I I got to the point where I was turning 40 and it wasn't that the age scared me. It was just that I figured that I needed to have a trajectory that showed me sort of what the end was. And, uh, and I got to this point where I was having conversations with my wife and then a lot of conversations with myself uh, about 
what my career was going to look like. What was the the next phase of my life going to be like? And, and I kept talking to myself and saying, you know, why don't they have a plan for me? And and then turning around to them and going, why don't you guys have a plan for me? And it wasn't until uh, two years ago, around the summer of two years ago, where I, I it finally dawned on me that uh, like that's not their job. They don't need to have a plan. You know, they don't need to have a plan for me. I need to have a plan for me. And it was at that point that I was like, okay. I need to get out of here and start looking for things that uh, challenge me in a way that I haven't been challenged and put me in situations that I'm not in right now. And uh, I was fortunate enough to know people at the organization that I'm working for right now, which is M Live here in the state of Michigan. Uh, and I interviewed to become the director of marketing and all of those things fit the bill. It was a, it was an extreme challenge coming in here, an excellent challenge and a lot of things I, I didn't have knowledge of. So there was lots of learning to happen and plenty and this was the other thing, uh, plenty of bandwidth to experiment, which I didn't know at the time was what I needed, but clearly was the thing that I needed to do was have a, a space to produce some sort of essentially scientific laboratory to do all the insane stuff that I was not really able to do within the confines of a broadcasting career. And it's one of the just one of the things that you're doing now. I mean, you, you have a you, you have a whole like, uh, I don't know what it is but you apparently cannot uh just sit still because <laughs> you've got a lot going on man i do i do some of those things we'll, we'll kind of talk through and, and get through but it's interesting to me to hear that you know you kind of started uh, in radio stumbling into it i think i i've heard i think i've heard most of that story before but it's funny to hear it again because i'm hearing it again almost like it's the first time so you did the whole let me get your call. I mean, it, it, the things that you did was almost as I mean, it was I it, it was almost as bad as let me get your coffee and I'll wash. Oh, the, the I mean, look, it was yeah. it was all of those things, Justin. Yeah. And, and and don't mis misunderstand. I wouldn't trade that stuff for anything because it, it made me who I was today. And that's how I'm wired today. If somebody in the office, you know, not to, to ape on your uh, example, but if somebody here needs coffee, I'm not above getting somebody coffee. So but yes, I did start there. Um but that was how I kind of I, I built my cadence and then kind of developed what you're alluding to this this quest to do more and interesting things and and this ability to say yes to everything so that I could figure out what things I actually wanted to do. Did you get bored? Um, yeah, and I, I think I, I've suffered from that most of my life um, that I, I get bored with things and, and feel that I need to be challenged. And if that thing I'm doing right now isn't particularly challenging, I will go look for something else. And it's not that I'm I think if you're listening to this right now, you might think I'm a consummate tinkerer. It's not that I start and finish projects, but I'm not somebody that gets super romantic about the project that I'm on. And once it's done and if it's done and I'm done with it, it's time to move on. So, you know, and I think that's, I think that probably pretty, um, pretty specifically, especially for your last, we'll call it the last project, the last job that you were, <laughs> you know, 11 years of running this radio station and let's not short sell. I mean, it's very unique, uh, radio station, a very unique, um, uh, place. And, and it was the place that I worked before. I, uh, I, you know, before I, like, I tell that story of finding my dream job that turns into a nightmare. I actually, was, for the record, <laughs> I was not that job for the record. I was not that job. No, I think it's good to point that out. And then also, uh, to say that, you know, what's funny is that from going from that one to the next realizing that I actually had the, you know, I had the, the, the dream job in a lot of ways, because you, 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 know, you, you talk about having, wanting to have the freedom at the place that you are now and, and having the freedom and the tools and things like that. But you were pretty good about letting your people have that freedom. So how important is that to, to have to work through that creative process and anything that comes from your, your artistic roots? The, I think the thing about management, um, which which gets a lot of a bad rap, but I think about the thing about management that I think a lot of people get wrong is the idea that you need to tell everybody what to do every second of every day. And in my my design of a, of a management style was that I wanted to hire people that were smarter than me uh, and let them do the thing that they're amazing at. And my job, and this is what I tried to do for 11 years and what I'm trying to do here, my job is to play the part of Captain America's shield. I keep everything out of your way. 
so that you can succeed and make me look good because you, you know, you are the skill set um, and you are the talent that is specific to radio, specific to you, right? You are the talent that's bringing people into the product so that we could turn around and sell advertising against that skill set, right? So for me, a manager needs to be 100% selfless because it is your job to take all the bullets and all of the arrows. Uh, and when it's time to correct or have a conversation with an employee that has strayed a little bit, uh, that it, to me, that's not to be done in public and that doesn't necessarily need to be done um, unless it's an extreme case, but doesn't need to be done in the presence of 900 other managers to make an example of somebody. So to me, that's, that's the environment I tried to create. I will take all of the, the, the garbage coming at us and allow you to do what you're amazing at. And you may have had to take a, a few arrows. <laughs> yes. I've taken more than my fair share from you. I'm sure. Uh-huh. Especially over the, uh, those 11 years, uh, you know, look, I mean, I, I get it in part of, I think, uh, understanding radio and the industry and maybe you can comment on this, but part of, I think part of your boredom and part of the, you know, part of the place that you had gotten to, I think myself as well and helped make my transition a lot easier. Um, was just maybe not just you personally where you were, but also, uh, where the industry itself uh, was or was going. I mean, how much of that played into in, into your decision? A, a lot of it. I mean, you had seen the writing on the wall and we had been having discussions far before your nightmare scenario came about. I mean, you and I have talked about the way that this industry was going and, and to talk you know, harken back to what I was just talking about deep down in my management style and, and my directive as a, a person is I, I want to make impacts for other people and make other people's days better. And one of the things that I felt was coming out of radio was there was a lack of connection with not only, you know, you hear about the national versus local scope, like the radio station isn't local anymore. It wasn't necessarily that it was that it just didn't care about people anymore. And I, I didn't, I was bored with where I was and bored with what I was doing. Cause there was really no place else for me to go. And we weren't doing the thing that we were doing five years earlier, which was, was profoundly connecting with people. And if you look back at your career and what you were doing in Grand Rapids, um, we were doing some pretty amazing things to make an impact on people. And, and the industry has kind of lost that and lost its way. And I wanted to go someplace where I could make an impact in people's lives and that I could do things that profoundly impacted customers in a positive way, no matter what that customer is. If it's a um, business to business customer or a business to customer customer, whatever that is, I want to make sure that what I'm doing is right for them at all times, just as much as I want to make sure that what I'm doing for my staff or my direct reports is right for them. Not at the, the, damage to the company or the damage to the job at hand. But within reason, I want to make sure that I'm doing everything possible to make it so that it's right for all of those people. And so to answer your question, it had just lost its way. It, it lost all the humanity. And that was just one other reason why it was time to kind of walk away. Eric Holkren is on with us right now. And uh, we're talking about that transition. I want to talk a little bit more uh, how you go from such a dream job kind of place. And, uh, and I experienced this too, but how do you decide that it's time to make the, the, the change? It's always going to happen in life, right? It's not a matter of if, but when, and whether you're making the change or somebody else is making it for you, <laughs> you know, and it happened it, it happens. It does happen on both sides. And I've been on both sides of that, but how was that like for you? And let's kind of walk through that process. Cause I know there are people listening. Someone's listening right now. That's going through the very same thing. Maybe they're bored with what they're doing. Maybe they're very good with, at what they're doing. Maybe it's all they really know how to do, or they feel all they really know how to do. And they need to kind of break free from it, but they're just too scared. Not really sure where to start. Let's talk about that. When we come back, justinbarclay.com slash purpose zero zero nine. You can get the full show notes. They're online. Plus grab the VIP newsletter. You can get all access literally dozens of ways you can learn how you can get freedom, whether it's time, maybe it's creative, uh, all online at justinbarclay.com. Click the uh, link and you can get the newsletter. This 
is On Purpose. I'm Justin Barclay. This is On Purpose. On Purpose. On the Blaze Radio Network. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and, kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is their word is their bond and they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents, I trust it's sent to somebody who already you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Realestateagentsitrust.com. This is On Purpose on the Blaze Radio Network. So what do you do after you've done one job almost all of your adult life? You've worked one specific career, yet you find yourself in a place where maybe it's time to change. Eric Holtgren is on with us right now, and we're on purpose. Eric, this same thing kind of happened, um, I, I think, not just to you, but it's happening to people all over. And I think in the society that we're living in, we're going to see more and more of this disruption happening all the time. You know, the things that people thought that they could do forever and ever and ever. Uh, it, you just, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that anymore. Can we talk a little bit about dealing with like, cause what was that process like when you're talking about talking to your wife? And I remember you and I having conversations about this kind of thing at the same, at the same time. Um, what, you know, feeling like it was, you know, you wanted to do more. There was something more. You always kind of like testing the waters with things. What was the conversation like with your wife? What were you, what were you talking about? Well, I think you talk about all those natural things. I, you know, I spent 11 years at SNX, but in totality, I was 20 years at iHeartMedia or Clear Channel, right? Uh, so a 20-year career in a broadcast industry and then to just up and walk away from it, I think most people would look at you and go, you are out of your mind, right? You're, you're in this position. Things seem to be fine. You're out of your mind to make a change. And, and I can absolutely understand that because there was a lot of nights of, of she and I talking about what the next steps would be and and would those would the next job be the right job and we got to the point at least for us and this might not be right for everybody but we got to the point where we had assessed the situation and um i think it's really important to have friends and and a partner in your life that can help you with your self-awareness and we got to the point where i knew what i was making and was pretty sure i could make that in a lot of other places, if need be, right? If I couldn't find the dream thing or the next cool thing to do, I was fairly certain that I could make a living that I could support my family. So once we had established that money was no longer the scary thing, mm. the rest of the process became really simple. But for a while, there was all those conversations, Justin, how are we going to pay the mortgage? What if you can't find a job? What if they figure out that you're looking for a job and fire you? Like what, what do all those things look like? And, and mm. we just had to we had to um, put our faith in this was the right thing for us. And, and to be quite honest, that the stress of that job and, and some of the boredom of that job and the, the wandering eye looking for the next challenge made my personal life, not just the, the one with my wife, but all of my personal relationships strain a little bit because it was just it got to the point where it was a lot of stress and the. Um, goals got bigger and bigger and bigger and less and less attainable. And that was something that I needed to address. Cause I, I think one of the things about your show that's so impactful is that it's this idea of understanding that money isn't everything and, and the Apple watch isn't everything. And the new car isn't everything being happy and having awesome relationships that should be everything. So we got to that point as quickly as we possibly could. And then we started investigating what sort of things I could be doing. And so I, I started doing 
what I was naturally gifted at, which was networking. I started having coffees and lunches with anybody I could um, talk to that I thought would put me in the right direction of what that next thing would be. And then I eventually ended up talking with some people that worked here at where I work now at MLive. And it just felt right. So I just started exploring it. And to be honest with you, I didn't do any other physical interviewing other than this place. I mean, I talked to some other places, but it just didn't go anywhere. And this was clearly the thing that I was supposed to do next. So it was, once we got past the money thing, it was all about that leap of faith and, and understanding that once you, and I think you've talked about this on at least a couple episodes and certainly Dave Ramsey has talked about this in a million of his podcasts, right? Once you take all the power out of the money, the rest of it's easy. The decision is the, is so easy once you do that. Yeah. It's the emotion. It's the emotion and the money. I think that really, that really hangs you up, hangs people up. I had somebody ask me the other day, uh, asked, Hey, what's your main source of income? Cause I just don't know how I'm going to do this. And I want to do this and these other things. And I, you know, I'm starting to see from this perspective now that a, when people ask questions, uh, there's a lot more behind it. And I'm starting <laughs> to really understand what they're asking and what they're saying and, and can, can back up and sort of unpack. It. And one of the things that I kind of brought up, I did a, I did a, a, a live stream on Facebook the other day about this, but it was all about how I don't have a ma- There is no, ma- like, you know, certainly there may be one thing that brings in more money than others, but I'm kind of uh, dealing with uh, a couple of different things that are working, that are making money. And, you know, there might be one thing that probably makes a little bit more, but I'm t- always kind of testing the waters. Because I'm also trying to figure out, like, what do I really enjoy? What do I really love? I still don't. I mean, I thought I had it figured out when I was doing radio. I, it's all I ever wanted to do, right? It was the only thing ever since I was a kid. And I finally got to a point one day where I said, this is not it. Um, it's certainly part of it, but it's not the full and only thing and only picture. And I just bring that up because I I mentioned you when I when I talked about this the other day. And the fact that you... Uh, you know, I don't know. Certainly, I don't know what what all your different you know streams of revenue are. If we want to if we want to break it down, where you let's just say like where you make money from. But certainly, your job isn't the only thing. Um, but you also, I won't even call it streams of revenue because let's piggyback on what you just said: streams of passion. Like, what are the things? There are several different things that you do. We just kind of joked about that a bit ago but let's talk about that how important is that to kind of test and figure out what you really enjoy and maybe something sticks well and i i think that's the that's kind of the to me the first start of this like before you're going to walk out of your job and, and and figure out what the next thing is you should be doing this stuff in your free time yeah you know uh, you and i obviously consume a lot of gary vaynerchuk and i know he's been referred to on the show a lot but one of the things that he talks about th- that i think a lot of people may not be willing to do right they they want to be happier they want to make more money they want to do that next thing and, and want to follow their passion and you hear that i want to follow my passion okay great when your kids go to bed, start working till two o'clock in the morning on the thing that you find most interesting. Oh, well, I mean, I won't be able to watch the game or I I won't be able to catch up on Game of Thrones. No, you won't. You have to choose what you want to do right now. Like if you want to stay at the job that you hate, fine, do all those things you want to do. That's, that's totally up to you. But if you walk up to you or you walk up to me and you say, I want to follow my passion, you're going to have to give something up in order to do that because if you have a family and you have people relying on you, it's obviously not fiscally responsible to just up and walk away from a job if you don't have an actual plan. And the way to build that plan is to start testing in your free time and give up some things that you might really love right now, but further down the road, and you're a great testament to this, right? Further down the road, if you give up a couple of those things right now and put the work in, you might discover that you love other stuff a whole lot more that you would have never discovered because you didn't spend the time actually exploring your passion. Well, and this is like a really good, I think, scenario and a case for like what we're doing right now for to describe this. I mean, right now, this interview is taking place like prime time television watching <laughs> hours on a, on a weeknight. And, uh, you know, you're not, you're not obviously not plopped down in front of the TV with your family. I'm not, 
where we just cut out time. This is this is the time that you had. And I'll even go further to say you just came from doing something else, you know, so you you've you've found time and, and you've and you've been able to. Uh, what was the quote I read the other day? I like from Robin Sharma. I think this is even better. It was um, stop managing time and start managing your focus. There's that one. And then one of my dear friends uh, always used to say, uh, I don't find time. I make time. Right. Like you just there's just there's so many things. And, and um, throughout our friendship, I think one of the things that, that you have taught me is is that idea of of clock management. Right. Straight up Phil Jackson. Right. Basics win championships. And and if people listen to you or they get the newsletter or they watch your Facebook live, one of the things that you've been talking about over the course of the couple of years that you've been doing this is this idea is to break your day up into chunks of things to do. And if you do that, you will overnight Right. In the matter of three days, you will understand how much time you waste on absolute garbage, absolute garbage. And that you it turns out you can eat lunch in 15 minutes. Guess what? You just bought yourself 45 minutes to do something that you find passionate. So what are you Turn, let's talk about you, because what are you doing? I know you're doing things like this, like right now. Well, give me a specific example. So, I mean, my wife and I, for us, it, we uh, use Outlook because both of our both of our workplaces use Outlook. So we use that as our clock management. So we have everything kind of written in there. And then, like, look, not every minute of my day is managed because that that's type A well beyond my <laughs> my capabilities. But we do things like I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of something that we noticed a year ago that was an issue and we fixed it. We noticed that we were on our phones a lot because both of us do marketing as a profession and marketing never sleeps. We are on our phones a lot. So we decided that from the time we pick our children up to the time that our children go to bed, we don't touch them. So we come home and those go in a drawer until they are asleep. Um, and so those two out, we just bought back two, two and a half hours to spend time only with each other. The four of us hang out, eat dinner, play out in the yard when it's nice, watch a movie when it's not nice, whatever. But those two and a half or three hours, that that's ours. They don't get interrupted. We don't tweet. We don't snap. We don't go on Instagram. We don't write emails or answer emails, those three hours or whatever. And then after that, then that's the time where, you know, if it's, if I'm teaching a class like I am right now, I'm grading papers or writing lesson plans, or maybe I'm, I'm you know, I'm jumping on any podcasts like you, you alerted to earlier. I do a lot of stuff in the mixed martial arts and UFC world that people want to have me on as guests after nine o'clock, man, I'll do them all night long if that's what you want to do. But a real world example is we just put the phones and all that stuff away for three hours and those kids get our full attention till they go to bed. The phone drawer. I love that. I absolutely love that. But uh, that takes a lot of discipline. But um, you guys have made like a conscious choice to do. And I'll even say you've decided to do that on purpose. I love <laughs> I, but I But I absolutely love that because here's the thing. When you're there with your kids, they're getting all of you instead of the split focus of, well, yeah, I mean, we're outside. Dad's physically here, but he's really in his phone on Twitter talking about why this guy is retiring from UFC and is he really retiring? What's going right. on it? You know, right. if we're talking about real time stuff. Sure. Know. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's, you know, and, and it's, it's funny cause my wife and I were kind of guilty of doing the same thing, although they're just dogs right now that are with us. But, you know, I mean, I think that's one of the things that, um, I'm constantly trying to figure out and, and work out myself, uh, being there and the focus of what you're, you know, being able to focus on those things allows you actually to do more. So we didn't get to talk about it, but we will. I want to talk about everything that you're doing because I do. I do. <laughs> how, honestly, how long is the show? <laughs> right. No kidding. We could, like, we could go. But no, I do honestly feel like if we started to go through some of these things, people will start to understand. Wow. You know, you have this side project or you have this dream or you have this idea, this thing that you want to work on. Maybe it's a home business or right? you, you, you feel like you want to just get out of debt or maybe make a little bit of extra money. Or maybe you really have this idea to kind of like get out of that job that's killing you or maybe bring your wife home, your husband, whatever it is. Right. Maybe you have this passion that you want to write a book. You want to change the world. This is the thing that you've got to do. Where do you find 
the time and really it's the focus, right, to do that. I think if Eric kind of runs through some of the things he's doing right now and any one of these things would be something that could be like a full time. You're just thinking to yourself, oh, my gosh, I don't have enough time to do that. Any one of them, I think, makes a makes a great point to show you that it's that it really is possible. So we'll do that when we come back. Eric Holtgren is on with us right now. This is on purpose. More at Justin dot com slash purpose zero zero nine where you can get the full show notes and of course get the vip all access newsletter just click on the blue box and uh, subscribe also you can send a text message right from your phone right now it's that easy just text the number four four two 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 justin my name to the number four four two 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 and you're in this is on purpose with justin barclay on the blaze radio network don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. I hate what you when said. people clap at the end of a movie in a movie theater. Okay, I'll give you that. That's that's silly, but that annoys you more than people texting. Yes, throughout because the movie? it's pointless. Who are you clapping for? The projectionist? The people who made the movie aren't there. You're you're clapping. Do you just randomly clap throughout your day? Oh, I'm gonna have lunch in a minute. Dude. Who are you clapping to? The morning blaze with Doc and Skip weekday mornings six to nine Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network. How do you fit it all in? Probably a question Eric Holtgren has gotten quite a few times. And and you may be thinking about how do you fit it all in in your life? Well, you just want to fit that extra piece. You know, maybe you come home like I did. Just absolutely completely devastated after a day at work, especially if you're in a toxic environment. It's enough to make you feel like you're just trying to live, survive through the next day. How do you fit more in? Eric, let's talk about some of the things that that you're doing right now, because you just told us a little bit about how you how you are able to take your focus, be laser sharp when you are doing certain things. And, and obviously that helps you do more, but let's just talk about some of the things. Obvi- you've got this big marketing job. You're you, you've got your own podcast. I mean, let's go through, I'm not just one podcast, but you had two podcasts, right? Yes. And then, you know, they do a couple other things on the side, but yeah, so I'm the director of marketing here at M live. So everything that that involves from, um, you know, clients to customer relationships, whatever that involves, uh, event management, all of that stuff. So there, that's my full-time job. And then I also, for the last seven years have hosted a mixed martial arts or UFC podcast called way of the warrior with my friend, Ken Evans. So I do that every week. Uh, I host a marketing podcast called everything is marketing. And that ends up being, depending on how busy the week is or my travel schedule, that can be anywhere from three to five times. So it's either a daily or it's three times a week. Um, and on top of that, I teach, um, mass media and intro to communication at the college level. And then I also, I recently just started a nonprofit that helps, um, at risk children, uh, get asked access, I should say, to the performing arts. So movies, concerts, sporting events, the ballet, those sort of things. Um, and, and that's all the stuff that I'm working on right now. Um, and I co-host on a couple other podcasts when people want to have me on such as this one. Um, and, and whenever the spirit moves me, if there's another project that people want help on, or I find interest in, I'll, I'll jump in on that as well. Okay. So you've just named some major things and any, either one of any one of those could be one big thing for somebody that sure. looks at it. And so this is a huge mountain. How can I possibly, uh, manage this, but but seriously, I mean, you've got the full time job, which is a pretty. I mean, we just kind of glazed over, glossed, glossed over that, but it's it's a it's an executive level kind of full time job where you're, you know, you're really asked to travel, you're asked to to be a lot of different places, to do a lot of different things, and yet you still find you still find the the ability to manage your focus here and, and you're able to do a bunch of different things. When will you ever get enough, Eric is my question. <laughs> well, so, I mean, it's, it, yes, I mean, that that's fair. And, and the part of this that I, I think goes um, unmentioned is that in order to do these things, you have to get really good at saying no to things that don't fit with what you're trying to do. What was the it's last very- thing you said no to? 
Um, well, so I, I have played on and off. I've played uh, drums on and off with the church that we go to. Mm-hmm. And I've taken the last two months off because time-wise, it, it just doesn't fit into the schedule that I have right now. And so that would be the last thing that I've said no to. I've said no to um, a couple of business propositions of people that wanted to start businesses. And I just don't either have the interest or the bandwidth for what they're doing. And like I said, it's the most important that I have the relationship with my family going at full tilt and whatever fits in with the rest of time with the rest of the time left, I should say is what I do. And the one thing I would say is that I think it's, it's not so much how do you fit it all in or when is it going to stop or when will you have enough for me? It's a game of patience. So the first time you do a marketing podcast, and somebody emails you and says, hey, that thing you told me to do, I did it and it worked. <laughs> yeah. To me, I don't know how you stop then. It's no different than when you go on a client call and you pitch them uh, you know, a marketing campaign and it works. Well, guess what? You want to go get another client and, and see if it works for them. That's the same mentality that I have here. So when, when I do uh, a mixed martial arts podcast and, and we get feedback that goes, man, that show was amazing. I, I love that you guys do this every week. I don't, I don't have a gear in me that wants me to stop doing that. And the same with the mixed martial arts or with the, the marketing podcast. And then when you have a student that emails you a year and a half later and says that class you taught, uh, this is what I took from it. And this is what I did with it. To me, you need to put more out into the world than you're taking. It's, it, it's like living a carbon neutral lifestyle, right? I want to make sure that I am putting out more good stuff than I'm taking from the planet. And so it's not that I can't be filled or I can't be satiated. It's just, I feel like there's a lot of work to be done and I have an insatiable amount of energy, I guess. Um, and so I, I want to spend all the, that energy every single day and not leave any of it on the table. And that leaves me a lot of time to do some stuff that I find very, very fulfilling and very, very interesting. All right, so I want to ask, play devil's advocate and just ask you kind of a tough question, but do you, th- sure. do you feel like you're doing too much? There are times that I certainly feel like I'm doing too much. And when that, much like when I left my former job, when that begins to put stress on my personal life, I will jettison it, hmm. no questions asked. But the difference being, now you have options. Yeah, I mean, I have plenty of irons in the fire, so to speak. Um so if I've got to get rid of something, then I've got to get rid of something. You have choices. Yeah, sure. Which is, I think, f- for me, that was one of the biggest drivers to 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 try something different, to do something different. I didn't have uh, options. I didn't have choices before. And uh, I think in your scenario, it, it was kind of similar. I, I mean, w- did you feel like you had to just take everything they piled on you? At my former job, certainly, mm-hmm. you know, and that that stuff begins to wear you down. And so I think that's part of the thing that drives me. And the other thing, Justin, is if you look back in history, all of these these men and women that we idolize or model, our, model ourselves after or build monuments to, if you look at Da Vinci or Edison or Tesla, some guys that I, that I admire, right, they didn't do one thing. They did a million and a half things because they just wanted to experience life at its fullest and see what sort of impact they could make on the planet. And it's not like I'm out to save the world. I don't feel like I'm a superhero or anything like that. I just think that while you're here, you should make an impact in the positive and that should have some sort of meaning to you. And and I've found in the past two years that when I've spent most of my time focusing outward on other people and not myself, things naturally get better Hmm. almost instantaneously. If you could do, if you had time and you could do, you had more time, if you could do anything, what would, what would that one thing be if you had more time you wish you had? So one thing that I'm not doing right now or one thing, if I jettisoned everything, it no, can spend if, a lot more. No, yeah. The one thing you're not doing right now, you wish you had more focus, more time, more resources for it. I would say I would love to be able to teach more. Um, because I really feel like that is such a hole in this country that's not being fulfilled with any sort of realistic, uh, expectations, right? Like there, there are students going into college and coming out of college that don't really understand 
what it takes to succeed in, in the business world. And, and I think that's why you see a lot of colleges hiring adjunct professors because they have real world current experience. Mm-hmm. And that would be the thing I would love to do more is to be able to teach more classes and specific to mass media so that these students understand the impact of being on Snapchat and the positives and negatives and the impact of living your entire life with a digital footprint that will follow you around forever, forever. And what does that actually mean when you're 18 years old and you turn out to be 56 and your throwback Thursdays now have 48 years of legacy? (laughs) What does that actually mean? Hmm. Man, that's really scary. And all of the data, big data collection centers and everything that they're building to store all this stuff in. Yeah. I mean, what does that customer profile look like for an 18 year old right now when we get to 56? Mm. How many points of data is that on a single human being? And and what is your, you know, what is your authorship over that data? And how do you protect that data? And do you even own that data? These, I think, are questions that they're not even asking because they don't know to ask them. They, they're just going through their day-to-day lives as they should. But at the college level, if you're in any sort of communication or marketing or business, I think you should understand not only how you can use that targeting and tracking if you want to get into marketing and business, how you can use that for your professional life, but what does that mean for your personal life? And bigger, you know, And that leads me to bigger questions like, should I put my five-month-old on the internet? Because he doesn't have a voice. He doesn't get to tell me that that's okay. So to me, if I had one more more hours in the day, mm-hmm. it would be using my brain to, to spend more time doing media criticism with at the college level. So I, and this is kind of a side shoot, but since you mentioned it, let's let's bring the kids into the mix. Do they get uh, I mean, certainly your daughter gets screen time. Of course she does. How, how does how does all this work? I mean, it, we, she does not consume anything without one of us watching it with her. That's been kind of our hard and fast rule. Um, so we, we're not using it as you hear a lot of times using it as the babysitter. We'll just give her the tablet and get her out, you know, get her out of your hair. Right. Uh, that is not how we do it for us. Uh, we understand that this is going to be, I mean, she'll be in kindergarten in a year and a half because of her age. She'll have to enter when she's five and a half. Right. So in a year and a half, man, they're going to be using tablets in kindergarten. And Mm. that's a thing that I think parents need to understand is that it's not the technology much. And you and I've had this conversation a million times, right? Technology is just a tool. Fire is just a tool. It's what you do with it. That gives it its actual meaning. And so if you are, on purpose with your technology in your family life, I think there's some really, really profoundly amazing things that can happen to your children if you're doing it with them. If you give them an iPad mini and throw them in the other room and say, good luck kids on Netflix, you're probably not going to have a great result with that. In fact, I promise you it probably won't turn out great. Um, But if you're intentional about it and you make it part of what you do as a family and it's limited, obviously not unlimited, This is a realism in our life. I mean, virtual reality is here. You can now get on VR, Justin, with cereal. Frosted Flakes is doing VR right now for for Captain America Civil War. A box of cereal can when your phone and you're doing virtual reality. So we're we're five years away from that being a thing that's everywhere. Did you see the 360 videos for uh, Coachella? Yes. Crazy. Right. And I mean, and that's another thing that we should spend more time talking about, right? If we're, we're curating all of the stuff on video all of the time in 360 degree <laughs> views, right? What are your, what are your rights as a human being being in that public space? Do you have any, even though you don't, you're not in control of the camera. I mean, this is why I think it's important to spend a lot of time with your kids. If you have the ability with technology, so they understand what it is and what it does. You know, I think it's a great point because, uh, and, and by the way, uh, I see what you did there with the on purpose. <laughs> I do what I, I am a marketer after all. I like that. No, but it's it's so true because if you if you hide these things and if you um if you if you kind of hold them back, hold your kids back from experiencing them, you're kind of handicapping them. And in some ways, you, you know, you can do more harm 
Well, they go in a kindergarten and everybody else has been up to speed. You know, some of these kids are, are building their own apps by now, you know, a kindergarten. Or right, right, right. Yeah. And your kid's not never seen one. What's that going to do to them? And, and how does that work? You know? Well, and, and I think it's a struggle. I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm fearful of what it's like to have a teenager, right. When I get to that point, but when you have a teenager now, you, you know, it's this struggle and you hear it time and time again from parents. Um, I, I do a fair amount of, uh, keynoting across the, the state talking about social media and how to use it for business and its impact. Right. And, and you'll inadvertently hear from a parent going, my kid never wants to talk to me or, or my kid never wants to talk on the phone or all my kid does is snap or text. And this, the world we're in right now is just one more evolution down the communication ladder that we've we went from grunts and cave drawings to paper, from paper to the Gutenberg press, from the Gutenberg press to the typewriter, from the typewriter to the printing, you know, like we and then electricity showed up and we got radio and then we got TV and then we got Internet and cable. And here we are. Will there be a time when we're not talking to one another face to face? Yeah, we're doing it right now. You and I are not talking face to face. We're doing it over two di- different devices. And if it's five years from now, Justin, we're doing it in the same room wearing virtual reality headsets of some short, some sort. Or, or completely across the globe from each other, yet in the same room. Yep. In the some, uh, it, Yeah. And, and, and those are those are discussions that I think parents should at least be aware of, if not having with their kids. Very fascinating. Uh, what? What? Uh, I mean, when do you start your kids with? With I know this is, we're getting off subject, but uh, you know we are, we are. But this is I could talk about this for hours. Yeah, your your son. I mean, uh, when is it? I mean, because my my brother, it's, it's awesome Snapchat. He's always sending me uh, pictures and videos with my my nephew, who's uh, two, I think, in May. Uh, is the birthday May 26th, I think. Anyway, he, uh, he, he's always doing like the funny faces on the phone. Right. And so right. like the puppy and all that other stuff. And it just, it's hilarious to me, but I, he, I don't know if he's at the point where he's actually using the Snapchat by himself, obviously it too, but he's familiar. I'm sure he's watched the, you know, cartoons and stuff or whatever they do with those. How well, so there's, there's two things there. One, these devices have been around for around just around a decade. So for me, I don't know that there's enough research out there to show one way or the other, what the positives or negatives are yet. Mm -hmm. We'll get there, but we're not there yet. Two, they're going to have a natural curiosity, curiosity right around two or two and a half, because if you were to give, your nephew an iPhone at two years old, he will naturally know how to use it because that's the design aspect of these devices, right? It's super intuitive. They've wired into a very primitive part of your brain. So you know how to use it. Um, I, I just think whatever you're going to do, be intentional about it and understand that, look, it's, it's not as life and death as giving a two year old a handgun. It's not that, but you should still treat it with the respect that it deserves. It, it is something that does have addictive qualities. There is research out there to show that. And I, I don't think a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old, or even a seven-year-old should be unsupervised having all the time in the world playing on a device that you don't know where they're going or what they're doing because they don't understand what they're using and what it can do. You know, grown adults and I'm not saying I'm not saying this because I'm anti-technology. You know me, and I that couldn't be further from the truth. But sure, grown adults are being programmed every day by social media, by our devices. Grown adults. So, what does that programming do to the child and in shaping the 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 you know the brain activity and and you know with a young kid. Well, so let's let's use a let's get it let's dial it back into what I'm doing. We'll use a real world example. When you go into a business setting and you walk into a conference room, what do you normally see? Chairs. You see chairs, and everyone sits down at those chairs. And what do they do? Oh, everybody's on their phone. Yep. And then when the meeting starts, they put their phone upside down on the table. Mm-hmm. That still says non-verbally 
that you, sir, holding the meeting are not the most important thing in my life. This phone is here to interrupt me when something more interesting happens. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's how we're programming society. It's, so but it's it's deeper than that, though. It's not. I mean, I, I understand you're not the most important thing, but it's not it's not there is not an intentional or conscious choice at that point because they are so in tune with the stimulus. Yes. That they have to ear on the drip. And when you get a bing or you see a light or something like that, it does this crazy thing inside of your head now. So you're looking for that. It's not that the person's not important. It's just that uh, you're addicted. You're you're on the well, you're, you're on yeah, the juice, I mean, man. You're on the junk. <laughs> it's a it's a happy machine, right? Yeah. And that that you know to go back to what we were talking about, that's the cycle that if you can break that. You can produce anything in those extra hours during the day, because if you're somebody that can just if, if you could and try this experiment and I'm, this is not the experiment where you don't do anything with your phone for 24 hours and see if you I've, can survive. I've done that, though. Right. It's, I know it's, it's terrifying. Right. <laughs> um, instead, do a one minute video, write a blog post or even if that's not in your wheelhouse, put up a status update and don't check it. Yeah. You know, it's so funny you mentioned that just the other day. I, for whatever st- stupid reason this happened, I just happened to walk into my office, you know, right across the hallway from my, my bedroom. I'm just walking, you know, that's my commute in the morning. I yep, you're in. T- yeah. Get Ubered to the other room. Yep. Put, I put the phone down, I think cause I was carrying stuff, put it down on this bookshelf. That's across the room. I sit down and I had this idea and immediately this is usually not how it works, but immediately I'm like, Oh, I need to, I need to write this blog post right now. While I have this thought. So I'm in the moment and I'm writing and then I realize. My phone is across the room. Well, you know, everything kind of takes forever sometimes. And what I mean forever is like, okay, let's go back to when, when you remember the internet first came around, like you could, oh, you can download pictures. It takes 30 seconds to a minute to get a picture fully downloaded, right? Now, if a web page or something hiccups or something doesn't load right away in the, like a millisecond, it's like forever. That's an eternity, there, right? There is a 70%, this is a real statistic, a 70% drop off of a web, pl- web page or a piece of content if it takes more than one second to load. I believe it. I absolutely believe it because I don't have time for that. And not that I, not that I, what was that? Say? Not that I don't quote unquote have time for that. Like, like really, but it's just the fact that I need it now. And if you can't give it to me now, you know, and I'm really, I mean, I'm, I look at internet speeds and we've got pretty, pretty solid internet here, but I look at some of the faster things that we're going to get and how fast now they're talking, you know, 5g with phones and things like that and how good it's going to get, how quick it's going to get. Um, but it will never be quick enough because we'll always, I really feel like it will never be quick enough. We'll always get used to it. No matter how fast it is, my phone is over on the other side, though, on the other side of the room, and I actually got more done. This was amazing. So let's talk quickly uh, about this. You know, we can talk about focus all day long, but what are the really cool things that you get to do? What are the fun things that you're missing out on if you're not focused, if you're not managing where your mind's going instead of instead of the time? Right. What are those things you're actually missing out on when we do that? We'll come back next. Talk with Eric Holkren right after this. Extraordinary stories of ordinary heroes. This is On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show. Last time I went to the theater, it was cheap to get in. But then you go to the movie theater and for some reason your children decide that they want to have popcorn and soda. Is that, what, is that all you need there? The three popcorns, the three sodas, and the three boxes of Skittles, and maybe the milk duds? Yeah. That'll be $852, please. The Jeff Fisher Show. Saturday morning, 6 to 8 Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. Extraordinary stories of ordinary heroes. This is On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, so what do you really want to do? What would you do if you had all the time in the world, right? Imagine 
You could do anything. There was nothing holding you back. What would you give? What would you be a part of? Those are the cool things that you're missing out on. Apparently, when you're missing out on managing your focus, Eric Holcren is on the phone with us right now. Uh, so, okay, Eric. So let's talk about this because, yeah, you're doing a million different things, but there's something really cool that you're a part of right now. You're the CEO of this this brand new thing called Now Playing. Let's talk about that a little bit and um, and how you how you kind of started that. Sure. I mean, you have a bit of carnal knowledge of this. And uh, essentially what happened was um, I was going to go see the new Star Wars film. And to backtrack a little bit, when my parents took me to see the very first Star Wars film, which ended up being the fourth Star Wars film, but we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> when it was the actual first one, my parents took me to a drive through. And that moment changed the way that I kind of viewed the world, the lens in which I viewed the world. It had a huge impact in the way that I used imagination, the way that I used brute thinking to kind of, and I didn't know what brute thinking was obviously growing up, but as you start meeting designer friends and, and get more knowledge under your belt, I understand that, um, you know, I was doing a lot of brute thinking through my adolescence and into my career. And a lot of that came from this seminal moment in watching Star Wars in a drive-thru. So when myself and a couple of guys went to go see the new movie, we thought to ourselves, like, there's going to be a whole crop of kids having this very same experience where this movie is going to change the way they look at imagination or the way they look at media or whatever the effect is that it has on them. And what happens to kids that don't ever have that opportunity? And the better question is, what if you gave them that opportunity. So myself, yourself, Justin, and a couple other people got together as an experiment. And we took a group of kids from an organization here in Grand Rapids called St. John's Home out to see the new Star Wars movie. And what we discovered, because Justin, you and I were the only two that kind of got to attend the first test of this, was that the kids sat right behind us and talked through the whole movie with this awe and wonder that I think you and I were hoping would happen, but didn't actually know. And so out of that, I went, okay, well, we have to do this more. And so we developed a 501c3. We named it Now Playing. We got a website and we started collecting funds so that we could continue to do this. And we didn't want to stop at movies. So we've brought in the here in Grand Rapids, we brought in the Grand Rapids Ballet. We brought in our botanical garden called the Frederick Meyer Gardens. And we're going to bring in the, the sports teams that we have in town so that these kids can have access to all sorts of arts and performing arts. Because who am I to say which one of these things will have that effect on them? You know, it really is something that uh, that it, it's just born out of opening yourself up for something bigger and better. And the only way you're able to do that is by managing your focus. The thing that you've you've kind of done there and it, it gives you the opportunity to go past, um, you know, fight or flight. <clears throat> you know, I think we've kind of talked about this before, but that whole thought process of scarcity. I only have this amount of time and I've got to survive and feed my family. And, and, and I think that's like what those kids are going through in a lot of ways too. Of course they are. I mean, they're in a terrible situation where they're getting up every day and they're, you know, they're staying in a strange place or they're in foster care. And, you know, none of those things feel like a permanent home. So imagine if you didn't you weren't even aware that imagination was a thing. You weren't even aware that there was a bit of escapism that you could go to another place through a book or through a movie or through a play or through a ballet or through a hockey game. What happens if you were introduced to that? What, is, what does that moment look like? And then, which we obviously can't do right this very second, but I fully intend to 20 years out be doing the research to see what happened to these kids. Because here in Grand Rapids, and this is not unique to Grand Rapids, this is happening all over the country, is these kids that are in these situations, when they turn 18, they're out into the world. Yeah. And good luck, right? Um, and, and to me, you know, it, it doesn't managing your time and managing your focus are all part of this. And this doesn't have to be the thing that inspires you. But for me, I feel like we all have an obligation to better manage our time, to leave the place better than you found it. And that could be your community. That could be your family. That could be your neighborhood. That could be a school system. That could be uh, kids that you want to volunteer with. That could be big brothers, big sisters. That could be foster dogs. It could be whatever you want, but and to go back, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, right? If you're spending two or three hours a night on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and doing that revolution over and over and over again, what would happen if you just took an hour of that and tried to, out of obligation, make the world a better place? One hour a night. 
Yeah, put the phone in the phone drawer. Yes, put it in the, <laughs> in the Faraday cage, if you will. You know what, man? Um, <clears throat> it really is a beautiful thing because it not only does it, this process of you opening up, uh, help provide that opportunity for others to open up. But when they do start to open up, they start to see the world in a different way. They start to see the world as a different place. And all of these opportunities feed on each other. And now um, you're living this truly amazing existence. Sure, you you may die, right? At some point. We I all, will. I mean, that's that's a, that's a firm thing that will happen. Well, yes. you know, technology. We don't yeah, know. Maybe. The mean, singularity, all that. Yeah, I know, I'm with you. <laughs> but the fact is, is that you, you live on through other people and you start to realize not only should you be doing that, but you must be doing that. Well, and I think, you know, to kind of close this thing, Justin, if we can turn it back on you for a second, look at what you're doing here. This is one of the reasons I was so excited to come on this show, right? I know you and we've had a longstanding friendship. You could be making pretty much whatever you would like to if you wanted to stay in that shock jock universe. Right. If it was just about money, mm-hmm. you could do that all day long. Mm-hmm. But you chose to do something that makes an impact. You chose to put out a show that shapes the way people think or changes the way people think or inspires them to do something different. And that takes courage. Of course, it does. It takes time management. Of course, it does. But it's not, be- you know, I, I guess if we would get you at a moment of weakness and I would say this the same about what I'm doing. You know, why did I, why am I doing this nonprofit on top of all the other things that I'm doing? Well, because it didn't feel like there was another choice. I felt driven to do this thing, not out of obligation, like I'm forced to do it out of obligation because you're thrust into it. It drags you into it. It, you know, it, it just makes you, it's, it's the muse that keeps you going, right? When you, when you do events like this, or you do shows like this, or you do anything that inspires somebody or makes them a better person or has a positive impact on your society, that acts like a drug. In my opinion, it makes you want to do that more and more and more and more and more. You know, one of the coolest things I'll say is that sitting there in that theater with the kids uh, right behind us, you know, kicking the chairs and talking and going on and on through the entire movie. Any other movie, any other time, I probably would have been steaming. Sure. <laughs> but it was so cool. I walked out of there with the biggest smile on my face to hear them experience it all and discuss the plot and discuss who's that. Is that Princess Leia? Who's this? You know, and it was just really it, it really was um it really was a really cool experience. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually grateful that, that, uh, that I got to be a small part of it, man. So, so thank you. Um, how can people get involved, uh, with now playing? So you can find us at, uh, now playing for the number four, now playing for kids.com. Um, or you can look it up on GoFundMe, or you can always find it at my home base, which is polymathandvine.com. P O L Y M A T H A N D V I N E polymathandvine.com. And all of like all of the social channels, all my blogs, all that stuff is there. It's the easiest place to find me. So you blog, you also have uh, two, three podcasts by the time this gets up. There'll be man. six more by the time you get it up. To, yeah. <laughs> but uh, quickly, uh, let's talk about the podcast real quick. I know you have uh, one called Everything is Marketing, which is uh, brilliant. People really love that one. Um, how often is that updated and and what's it about? About three or four times a week. And what I try and do is either talk to people who are experts in particular fields of marketing. So email marketing or targeting or design or, um, some sort of new technology or breaking down bigger stories. So if we rewind the clock to last week, talking about what happens when Facebook messenger gets bots, what does that do for customer service? If you're somebody who lives and breathes in an email database world, what does this do with your strategy. Those are the sorts of things that we tackle. The The show is no more than 15 minutes long, so it's highly consumable um, on most commutes, unless your commute is across the hall to your bedroom. Um, hint, hint. Uh, you know, uh, um, <laughs> Yeah. Most commutes, though, it's perfectly designed for that. So two or three times a week, four, if there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and yeah, and lots of people seem to dig it. So there is the way of the warrior, which is your MMA uh, podcast. And, and you you've made quite some uh, some big waves in that. 
Yeah. And then we've been doing that one for seven years and that's once a week. Um, and obviously in a week like this, uh, it's an hour long talking about Conor McGregor retiring or not retiring. So, um, it's, you know, it's been a fun show and we were, um, a couple of the first guys really doing a long form podcast about mixed martial arts going back seven, eight years. So it's been a fun ride for us and something that we like to do. And we we do it on a weekly basis. So let's see you, you just did something you were passionate about. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. Success leaves clues. My friend, thank you for uh, sharing with us today. Polymath and vine, uh, com is the website. Of course, we'll put all the links to all your, uh, all your channels and whatnot up at uh, justinbarkley.com slash purpose zero zero nine in the full show notes. Eric Holtgren, thank you so much for being with us today, man. Thanks, man. Have a great day. Boy, another great episode in the books. And I got to say, I really enjoy talking to everyday people that are living these extraordinary lives because, you know, it's interesting. We could talk to the New York Times bestsellers. And of course we have. Right. But it's awesome to hear from a guy who is in my own backyard. That's really crushing it. Somebody who's making it happen. This is somebody that proves you can do it too. Who would you love to hear on this show? I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, Justin at JustinBarclay.com. Of course, get the full note show notes, all the resources that we mentioned and talked about, links to Eric's um, pages, podcasts, etc. online, JustinBarclay.com slash purpose zero zero nine. And also, while you're there, make sure you get hooked up with the VIP all access newsletter. You can subscribe there as well. If you're loving the show, do us a favor. Go ahead and share it with somebody because you never know who could really use this. Leave us some feedback. We'd love to get your review and rate the show on iTunes as well as Stitcher and uh, the new Google Play. Hey, thanks again. Until next time. Cheers to your life on purpose. Ordinary heroes walk among us every day. These are their stories on purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network.